Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, and I'm here today, as always, with my good friend and pastor, Jeff Ludington. How are you doing this morning, Jeff? I am well this morning, Rob. Thank you, sir. That sounds very official and very formal. Um, <laughs> hey, I know today we're going we're gonna to dive in a little quicker. Uh, Robin, as you and I talked, um, we do a lot of, hey, if this is your first time, here's what we're doing. And so if you are listening for the first time, jump on another episode and, and hear more about what the Heidelberg Catechism is. That may sound very traditional, Catholic or something else. It's not. Um, but we're doing a study really, um, by memorizing questions and answers in order to memorize truth. And we're in the midst of this. Uh, we're, in fact, turning the corner towards the back end of it, as there's 52 episodes to this. Today is 39. And we're in the middle of talking about the Ten Commandments. And uh, the first four of the Ten Commandments are about our worship to God. And then Commandment 5 through 10 are about how we relate to one another. And today we pick up on the fifth commandment. And I just want to read it. It's Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to shortcut the intro because we have a lot we want to cover today. So Rob, are you ready? I am ready, sir. Let's go. All right, sir. Here is question 104 for Lord's Day 39, or for those of you listening, episode 39. What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? That I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. That it's a, I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also that I be patient with their failings, for through them, God chooses to rule us. That's good. This is uh, a great parental verse uh, when, you're, when you're raising your children. Hey, listen, honor your father and mother, right? Uh, or maybe, maybe it's better that the church teaches our kids, hey, listen, really, you're to honor your father and mother. Um, the catechism, you and I talked about this, and we were just kind of prepping for this, goes a little further, I think, uh, than the verse or the passages uh, say. It, it talks about honor, which is what the command is, love, which I think is fair, as we're called to be people who love one another. I think that's clear in Scripture. And be loyal to, and that's in, in loyalty, um, there becomes some question. What does it mean to be loyal to my father and mother? And so uh, then the command, or then the catechism goes on to say, and all those in authority over me. And so we will talk about all those in authority afterwards. But when we start out, uh, Rob, you're on the tail end of being an actual, I mean, you'll always be a parent, but you're on the tail end of that as your youngest is now 18 and headed off to college, whatever college is going to look like this year because of coronavirus. But when you hear this, now, what, what's the, what are the things that you first come to this question and answer about around the Fifth Commandment? Uh, well, when I look at this, I, I think, you know, our first thought is um, teaching our children to give honor to those to whom honor is due, right? To, yeah. to honor us as, as parents, um, and then I think that reflects then on how they honor 
um, their teachers, how they honor um, my, my youngest as an athlete, how she honors her coaches, um, you know, how they will honor their, their employers, um, you know, all those kind of things. I think that, uh, I think Paul points out that, that, you know, this, this commandment has a promise with it, right? That promise is that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I think there's a bigger picture to this that, that students mm-hmm. learn, um, not students, but children learn um, to submit to authority, learn to respect and honor authority. So my question to you is, what benefits do you see to the, to the society in general if parents, you know, make sure that kids know this? And, and what are the consequences when we disregard this, this particular yeah. commandment? Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, honoring our father and mother, that's the command by God in Exodus. You know, we talk, you know, one of the top 10, 10 commandments, right? Um, that your days may be long in the land, Lord, your God is giving you. So this is about a life. This is about a lifestyle, right? This is not about obeying your parents when you live in their home. This is about learning obedience from your parents so that your life will be different. And so you ask about the implications of this, um, you know, and I think I'm going to start with your, the second half. What are the consequences when you don't learn this? So this is about parents. uh, If you're a parent and you're listening, or if you're a youth and you're listening Um, I don't imagine if you're younger than uh, middle school, you're probably listening to this. So I'm going to target that. If you're a youth and you're listening, this is about you obeying your parents and obeying authority. And we'll get into more authority in a minute. But as a parent, the the command, I get it, is to your kids. But this has implication to you teaching your children to be obedient. And there's lots of things like you bring up, Paul, Rob. There's lots of things where Paul says, you know, do not provoke your children to anger. You know, it talks about parenting. Teach your children, right? Teach your ch- the, the the most important thing uh, I would say to teach your kids is how to be a worshiper of God, and part of that is being obedient to parents and teaching them obedience. And so, in that, when we don't teach obedience to our children, what we get is disobedient kids. That's an obvious one, right? But let's just play it out. So, if they're not obedient in the home to their parents, what are the chances that they're going to go to school and be obedient to their teachers? or to the principles, or when that doesn't work, or to the authorities around that. That could be police, that could be, um, that could be uh, the, uh, the laws of the land, right? That could be to um, a, a, uh, a boss at work, right? When we don't teach obedience, when we don't teach submission to authority, what we don't teach people to do is live in society well, right? So the job here is not for children to just be obedient, but it's for parents to teach this in the home from the time they're young all the way up that they might have a better life. Does that fit kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, it reflects on again, how they interact with society, what kind of a, of a member are they going to be of a society as they get older? And I think it's important that we, you know, as we look at this, we're looking at um, not just being obedient, but honoring Right. I talk yeah. to, to my kids and, and my students at school that it's more when we say to honor your parents, there's more to it than just being obedient. Part of it's the attitude that you accept their their teaching and their correction. Um, you know, you don't go to school and talk bad about your parents. You, you honor them in that way and honor them throughout their lives. Even as you yeah. know, my kids now leave the home, um, you know, I still hope there's going to be that that honoring as we get older and need them more than they need us. I think at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, 
this is written in an Eastern culture where we, we live right now and are talking and, and podcasting in a Western culture. Western culture is more considerate of um, empirical facts. What can we logic? What can we do? Right. It's learning is based on what can we what can we prove is true or whatever. Eastern learning is more built on trusting respected people. And so if someone you respect says something, you believe it. Where in America, there's not a whole lot of that. And in the West in general, it's more based on, we'll call it science. I know it's a lot of other things that influence that, but really what can we prove? And so in the East, there is an honor-shame culture too, and there's a lot more, and there's, there's a lot of negative to that. But there is some positive in the sense that you would not dishonor your family. And a lot of Asian families, um, you know, most people know that they put their family name first, their individual name second, Right. Instead of being Jeff Luddington, I'm Luddington Jeff, right? I, you know, that it is more about family than it is about individual. In America, it's more about individual than it is family. And there are benefits to both. I think, you know, growing up in America, there's a lot of benefit to figuring out who am I going to be, right? But there is also something to say that honoring our family is a biblical thing, not to bring shame upon our family, and to honor that, not to bring shame upon our nation and to honor that. And we could we could tear into that for days on what that means. But I think there is a benefit to understanding Eastern culture has some different views. And some of them would be beneficial for us to learn from. Um, I want to segue uh, into a current cultural climate, right? Um, when we talk about obedience, or we talking about submission to parents or submission to authority, um, that is a current contextual conversation uh, for the church. Recently, we just went from uh, going, uh, you know, we went in, in March, uh, we went all digital, all online services. We did that for uh, most of March, April, May. In June, we gathered again together in person. We had uh, our 9 and 11 a.m. services, uh, we did that together. We had some restrictions on it, but, uh, you know, you to wear a mask or whatever. Starting July, we went back to digital only, online only. And the reason was that the governor, we're in California, if you're listening, and Governor Newsom uh, prohibited singing in in-person gatherings. And there's a lot to debate there. Uh, is that the right thing to do, wrong thing to do, or whatever? But I, I want to eliminate all those, and I want to eliminate all the political conversation for a minute and talk about the biblical implications. So, Rob, as you teach children, your kids, or as you're a teacher in a high school, uh, when you teach them to submit to authority, what do you teach them about uh, civil authority or governing authority? Well, we talk, I think, as, as the catechism states, um, you know, the very end of the answer for through them, God chooses to rule us. Um, it's an, it's a question of our obedience to God. It's not just obedience for the, the sake of being obedient. And so I think the way we view authority has to fit um, consistently with how we yeah. view the word of God and our service to him. And so, you know, as you, as you um, come under the authority of a teacher or a coach or a boss, um, you're serving God. And so there's yeah. that, that aspect of it, but there is that struggle of, you know, how do you not in your own life? And then how do you teach people? How do you, as, as a, you know, it's said we're to honor love and be loyal. Um, how do you do that when you have trouble, you don't agree with the person or maybe you don't even respect the person because of things they have done or said, how do, how does that go over? And as you mentioned with the church, how do we 
show honor when we disagree. That's good. Well, the main, the go-to verse, right? The, the one that uh, people are debating its application here is Romans 13, 1 and 2, uh, especially verse 1, but that whole section you can read through Romans 13. Um, but it, verse 1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 2 says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And so when we when we ask what is the, the church supposed to do today, right, uh, and we'll use the command, not command, the, uh, the prohibition of singing by Governor Newsom to the churches in in-person gatherings, I want to use that as an example to play out, and it's not as simple as we would like to make it. And American Christians tend to, they tend to uh, let their likes and dislikes and their politics inform their faith more than their faith informing their politics and their response to it. And so if you're a Democrat or if you're uh, very fearful of the virus or if you are not very fun, uh, uh, not very given over to singing in church anyhow or whatever, you let that dictate how you hear the answer. But if you love to sing, if you're a, you know, if you're a Republican or a conservative and because Newsom is a Democrat, you know, you're you're on the other team, if you will, or, you know, whatever it is, you let all that inform your response to this. And, and that's the wrong way for Christians. And I'll just say it clearly. That is the wrong way for Christians to respond. Our, our response is to God. And so on one side, people are saying, hey, well, God has commanded us to worship. And we can talk about that another day. But that is true, right, that we are to gather together in the congregation of the faithful and sing songs, right, that that is a part of our worship. So if you would just accept for now that we're called to worship and, we're, and that singing is a part of that, then the question becomes, in Newsom's command to not sing when we gather together, is he calling us to disobey God, right? And Or does obeying Romans 13, 1 and 2 to be subject to him as a governing authority, he's our governor, right? Or is that the more godly response? And so, how we've parsed this out with the church is that we can do both. We can honor God by singing, and we can honor God by following the instructions of our governor. And we can do that, and that's why we went back to online services. We said, okay, 75% of our church was even was already staying home and worshiping from home. And so the other 25%, which has been very flexible and kind, could go back to online-only services for the month of July. And we're hoping that by the end of July— that that restriction will go away and we'll come back together in person and see how that works. But I was asked a great question by a friend the other day, like, where do we draw a line? Like, where do we say, okay, now you're asking me to disobey God. And so the example I try and use is out of Daniel. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, Daniel is both a person and a book of the Bible. And it's set in the time where God's people were conquered for their disobedience, and then they were enslaved and taken captive in Babylon. And in Babylon, they took the best and the brightest, all your honor students, if you will, and they brought them in to be indoctrinated by the Babylonian king and educational system. In Daniel chapter 1, it says in verse 4, the youths without blemish, this is your honor students, right, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. He wanted to and I quote, teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. 
And the king assigned to them a daily portion of the food and the wine, and they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were stand before the king. So here's what happens. People that worship God. Now, these young men, these four that we're going to read about, all worship God. Even though they come from a very disobedient people, their parents had taught them to worship God, clearly, right? That's that. We know that because of what they do. Now, they're going to be taken and their names are going to be changed. They all have names that reflect that they're Jewish and they believe in God. That's uh, for another day. It's like naming your kid Christian. And we know that their names have that reflection. And then they're renamed uh, things like Belteshazzar after the Babylonian god Bel, you know, and Abednego named after the Babylonian god Nebo. And so their names are changed to represent pagan gods. It's like taking your son who's named Christian who's conquered, and then renaming him Mohammed, right? It would be that implication of pagan worship. And so they're going to be indoctrinated by the schools. They're going to be taught Babylonian literature, culture, and, and, and religion. And yet they're going to excel, right? Modern-day equivalent. They're going to be taught evolution. They're going to be taught that gender is subjective and that there's more than two genders. They're going to be taught that little Johnny has two mommies and that's okay. That's normal. They're going to be taught all these things in school like they are today. But here's what happens. These three young men, especially Daniel that we're talking about, they remain honor students. They get all the answers right. doesn't mean they agree with them, but they get it right. When they're given all this, it says in verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief and the eunuch to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the leadership over him. So here's what happens. They go in, they learn all this stuff. They get all the answers on the test right. That means they, they test well, even in things they don't believe. But when the king commands that they participate in some idolatrous uh, religion, again, think American culture, think how soon we would have rebelled like when they want to rename our kids, right? Like we'd have freaked out, especially pagan names. We'd have said, this is against God. Well, clearly Daniel and the others allow that to happen. But they don't participate in worship. In fact, when they're called to participate in worship, Daniel abstains. He doesn't rebel. He doesn't, you know, do all that. He just abstains from false worship. Fast forward to Daniel chapter 3, and it says that they're being commanded now that when they hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the music, Right? that they are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And verse 6 says, whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a fiery furnace. So, as you guys know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you're familiar with the Bible, they do get cast into the fire. God saves them. It's a whole big story. It goes really well on a flannel graph or in veggie tales, since we've talked about that before. But um, here's what I wanted to point out. They abstain from false worship. But it is not until they are called to worship someone other than God that they absolutely reject it. Like their meal comes and their meat has been offered as a sacrifice to a false god. So they abstain from the meat, but they eat the vegetables, right? Kids eat vegetables. There's a whole nother lesson there. All right. They abstain from the part that they can't do, but they, keep, but they do the part they can Two chapters later, they're called to absolutely deny God by worshiping another. That's when they draw the line. And so in our culture, we pull back really quick. And so use the example, we're not being asked to not worship God right now. We're being asked to not sing when we gather together. 
So we have choices, right? We can either not sing and still get together, but that doesn't feel like it is consistent with how we worship. We can also worship from distance. We can gather digitally and we can sing as loud as we want with our own families and do that. So we made that decision. We will take and draw a line and say, listen, we will not, we will abstain from what we need to abstain from. We will continue to honor God and all the things that we need to honor God with. And then the question I got the other day is, when do we draw the line and say the government's completely out of line? It's not when I dislike what they say, because I already dislike what they say for the most part. It's when they absolutely ask me to go against God. When there's no other way to be obedient to God and do what we're doing, then we draw that line. But up until this point, I don't feel like they've asked us to do that. I feel like it's incredibly inconvenient. And it had to be inconvenient when Daniel and them didn't eat half their meal. It was inconvenient, but God blessed them for being sacrificial. And then when they're told, hey, you got to worship Nebuchadnezzar, they said no. So thoughts on that, Rob? You're, as an elder in the church, you've been privy to this decision-making. Um, but uh, man, this is something that I'm really convicted about, that we are to be submitted to authority, both and really out of submission to God. And I think that we can find ways to do that, inconvenient as they may be, but that we can both honor God in worship and honor God by submitting to authority. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that, you know, you pointed out we need to be careful that we're not drawing a line based upon um, our own feelings, our own inconveniences, or, or like, you know, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay, and then, oh, no, this one I don't like, this one thing. It needs to be consistent with as we as we look at our faith as a whole and say, this is what God tells us to do, and then compare that to what the culture is doing, what the government is saying, um, you know, we don't want to draw our own lines. We want to look at God's lines yeah. and say, this is where God says, I need to, I need to push back. Um, but even then, we can still push back in a way that is respectful, in a way that doesn't go Absolutely. beyond that. And so I, I think that's important. And I think, you know, you brought it up, um, Daniel, his buddies, um, had teaching from from parents, from religious leaders, from the synagogues. They they knew their faith and they knew yeah. where that line was, and so they didn't let culture influence their their faith. They let their faith influence the culture. And, and mm. um, you know, if people want to go and read that story, big things happen in that culture yeah. because of what Daniel and his friends do. Um, so they influence just by being obedient to God, not obedient to the culture. Yeah, and, that, and I've said that over and over again, we want to be a witness to the world around us, right? And that, that we are currently being a good witness, and people are telling us that. And so I appreciate that. Non-Christian people, not a part of generations, they're telling us that they appreciate what we're doing and how we're doing it. So two things. You're right. I think people should go read Daniel, the first three or four chapters, and hear how God uses those young men because of their obedience and because of their submission so their obedience to God and their submission to everything that they can submit to, right? And God does powerful things through them. And that's what I want for generations. I want God to do powerful things for, through us as a church. But I want to end with a challenge today. Uh, this is a challenge. Again, this commandment needs to be to parents, not just to kids, right? This needs to be to parents to teach obedience to your kids. And so let me, let me say this. Most of the people who are listening will not be... Uh, uh, will be um, kids, their kids will go to public school. And in public school, they're going to teach you about evolution. They're going to teach you about um, sexuality and gender. They're going to teach things that are contrary to scripture. 
it is incumbent upon parents to teach their children the truth of God, right? And I know that I know where we fall down. Many parents don't know the truth. They don't know how to do that. And they need to. They need to be discipled. The church needs to step up and teach them. But they need to teach that life is life inside the womb, that there is a, a life since conception. There's a heartbeat there. It's clearly alive. We talk about it as a separate entity. It's a baby, right? Uh, you know, when a when a dog gets pregnant, we say it's going to have puppies. You know what I mean? Like when a, when a woman gets pregnant, she didn't have a baby. That's a life, right? We need to teach that no matter what school says. We need to teach that God created, that that evolution is not some random chance of science, that, that, that evolution is not how we got here, but that God created us. We need to treat, teach that God created us male and female and that it's beautiful. Yes, sin has marred it. Sin has marred all our identity and our sexuality and, and our our orientation and our gender identity, all those things are marred by sin. I, I, we are born in sin. I don't, I don't disregard that people are born into problematic understandings of themselves that are painful and hard. It doesn't change truth. Parents, we must teach our kids how to seek out truth from Scripture, seek out truth from God, so that they can go to public school and get an A on the test and yet still believe in the God who created them. They could get an A on the biology test and still know God created gender, and gender is beautiful and complementary. It's not subjective to whim, you know, uh, that surgery will never change a gender, that gender is created by God. And so this is about parents, man. Parents, you need to teach obedience to your children. Your children should never be encouraged to disrespect and, and dishonor their teachers or the police or anything else. And you're right, Rob, there are ways to honor the authorities, push back because we are Americans, we have rights to speak up and we can do that, but we must do it respectfully, right? I think there's a lot of respectful uh, um, protest going on right now. There's a lot of disrespectful protest too, but I think there's a lot of respectful protest and we ought to champion that and we ought to abstain from the disrespectful dishonoring disobedient style. Great. That's, that's, that's good wisdom right there. And I think that um, we'll talk again next week as we look at the, the sixth commandment, um, just about that consistency of, yeah. of not picking out your, your pet topic and saying, man, I'm going to, I'm going to stand firm on this one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pro-life or I'm anti-abortion or whatever. Does that, are you that throughout all of these different topics or just those one particular topic. So we'll look at that next Good. week. Uh, we thank you guys for listening um, to the Generations Church podcast. Just a reminder, uh, every Tuesday, we release a new guilt, grace, and gratitude episode. You've noticed that we took um, the Heidelberg Catechism and we talked about it in a modern day way, um, modern day themes. We hope that you appreciate that and then you'll join us again. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.